podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Miller, lovely cushion header for Gerard! You beauty! What a headshot! What a hit! The time to Luis Garcia, tries his mark, Well, welcome along to this, your Champions League preview podcast here on Anfield Index. And wow, it's it's all about this game. Uh, Liverpool versus Napoli at Anfield Tuesday night. Huge, huge match. Win or bust for Liverpool and even a win might not be enough. It's going to be something incredible. And here to help me look ahead to this uh, huge, huge match is uh, two very good friends. Two uh, friends of this show, two quality, quality contributors. So first up, um, the you'll have heard him on just about every podcast there is here on Anfield Index, Mr. Guy Drinkle, my uh, my co-host for the Res Review. How are you doing, Guy? Still trying to get on under pressure, Andy. Still trying. <laughs> okay, yeah, so that's yeah, that's the bucket list. Uh, yeah. is, uh, just about the only one left to, uh, and, to cross and, off. And liver birds, but I think I might struggle with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we won't go there on that one. Uh, also joining Guy is uh, from Down Under, all the way from Down Under, the man with the great footballing knowledge, uh, all of, from the committee podcast, uh, it's Mr. Eric, Alex Barillaro. Yeah, I, I normally uh, struggle with the second half of your name, uh, Alex, not not the first part. <laughs> you struggled with the first one there, that was, <laughs> that's that's what I happened before, but that's, no, that's, um, that's perfectly fine. How are you, Andy? I'm, I'm delighted to be here, delighted to, well, I mean, I, I would say I'm delighted, but Really, we're all pretty much bricking it for this game because Liverpool never do things the easy way and then Liverpool always need to make things dramatic and difficult. And this is just another Champions League escapade that's going to go down to the absolute wire in my book. So, yeah, it's going to be a real interesting hour talking about what's going to be an extremely tense 90 minutes. Mm, uh, Let's get straight into it then. The reason why it is so tense and why we're here and why we have all these multiple permutations that you probably need um, a degree in uh, physiology to understand. That loss to PSG, on the face of it, losing away in Paris against that PSG team with all its superstars, Neymar, Mbappe, Cavani, Atal, um, on the face of it, not uh, such a bad thing, but... I was really downbeat about the performance, especially first half, because were it not for Alisson, personally, I felt that could have been humiliating by halftime, Alex. I don't know what your thoughts were. We're very lucky that our Brazilian goalkeeper is as dominant and as tremendous as he is right now, because we are relying on goal difference to beat Napoli right now in terms of the way the mathematics are lining up. And if we had gone down to PSG as severely and as emphatically as they probably deserved, uh, it would possibly be curtains because uh, that PSG game, for me, I came out of that 90 minutes just going, nah, we're gone. That's, there's no way we're going to be able to even beat Napoli, let alone do get the get the maths right. Um, if, if we play anything like that, and the Champions League has been such a 
wild ride for so long for Liverpool that we all kind of expected that after Kiev, we'd just bounce straight back and we'd all have the, the fun again, the effervescent football, the, the stunning attack. Um, but really, the the changes that Klopp's made to the league side to, to try and catch up with Manchester City has negatively affected the the Champions League form uh, and the Champions, the way we play in the Champions League, less pressing, less expansive, more consolidation. And that was most evident against PSG. I don't think I've seen a game where it was as striking just how much this side is different from the side that got to the Champions League final. Uh, and against Napoli, we need to either summon up some of that attacking verve from last season and the kind that saw us belt Roma, some some of Napoli's, uh, one, the, the team alongside Napoli and Serie A, um, or we need to just channel our inner grit and our inner absolute resolution that we can uh, score one and just keep Napoli from scoring somehow. And Guy, coming across to yourself, I know we've spoke about the PSG game uh, on the Res Review very briefly, but you know, looking at that performance and something that Alex mentioned there, you know, you after Kiev last season, the the kind of expectation levels of of the of what this team can achieve and the type of football that we play and and the high of the highs and and and, and that sort of hope that we had in our hearts at the beginning of the season. When you when you think back to that first PSG game, you know, the expectations I think from that were yeah, we we we're just picking up where we left off from last season. And how how different do you felt? Do you think it felt then after after that night in Paris, after losing in in the way that we did? Um, well, I felt horrendous as as I said in the review. I, I may have mellowed a smidge by then, but uh, uh, since then, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was a horrendous game. Uh, I imagine the players thought it was horrendous because that's that's the only way you could describe it. It was it was shocking. I, I don't think I've seen such a disconnected performance from everywhere on the pitch. I, uh, I think they covered it on uh, UP quite well on, on the most recent one, um, and it. The, there were so many gaps. The, the forwards weren't backed up by the midfield. The midfield weren't doing the defensive duties. They weren't pressing well. It, it was amateurish um, at best, and it, it was it was awful. Like the Red Star one was terrible. It was awful. But there was just the way PSG was. It it, it was like they were they were playing with us. Where Red Star kind of stole one. I know we didn't play well, but um, they kind of stole one. Whereas PSG. You were watching that game and thinking, this could probably be one of our worst results since Stoke battered us. It's just, it, unfortunately it didn't, but it could have been. And as, as you rightfully pointed out, if it wasn't for Alisson, it, it, it would have been horrendously embarrassing. But uh, yeah, I mean, just a wax lyrical about him and good God, what 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 a signing he's been. Uh what a beautiful man as well, um, but yeah, I mean the the PSG game. It's kind of the red, I think the Red Star game brought us back to earth, and then the PSG game just dug like a six foot hole, and we're currently sat in it, hopefully climbing out with this Napoli game. Yeah, and Alex, did, did you? I mean, obviously the start of the season, like you mentioned, you know, we, we had expectations were high, and you know, it was still fresh in the memory the the type of football we were playing from last season. And I guess a lot of people expected us to quickly get back into our stride and and, and perform as we'd you know become accustomed to seeing. So, did you really expect us to be in this position where 
we'd lose all three of our away games and we're literally just relying on winning our games at home to even stand a chance of progressing through to this to the next stages? No, honestly, no no thought crossed my mind that we'd even be needing the last match day against Napoli at Anfield to, to really kind of see ourselves through. Red Star away, I think, was the disaster game. Um, and just on something Guy said there, as a slight tangent, um, I know it's slightly masochistic, but I do enjoy when we concede chances that Allison saves because the camera just lingers on him for a good four or five seconds. And he's just such a beautiful man and such a glorious, he's got such a glorious head. And it's just, and it's one of those things that you have to appreciate. Unfortunately, it's PSG. I think the camera probably lingered on him a few too many times because he did bail us out just constantly. It was, it was ridiculous. Uh, but Red Star was the performance that was the most stunning in the wrong way. If um if the Roma game, the first semi-final leg against Roma, was a kind of the cream of the crop, this was very much the dredge, the dredge of the tea that you get at the bottom of the tea bag, uh, that you have to throw in the bin because it was just utterly terrible. Um, for this to be going into the, this final match day shouldn't necessarily surprise neutrals, but the way it's gotten to this match day, because let's be fair, we did we did get put in the group of death. It was just a shame that we weren't able to be the powerhouses everyone expected of us. And even after the kind of loss to Red Star, people, and even now, people are still saying, perhaps based on league form, that that we should be aiming for the Champions League final again. Neil Warnock said it after Cardiff, the Cardiff game when we, we smacked Cardiff. He said, yeah, I'm not sure they can catch Manchester City in the league, but those that forward line and the way Klopp sets his team out, they should be aiming for the Champions League final. They can win it. Um, and... To have Warnock saying that is quite quite the achievement in itself. It's just it's just a shame because you were right, Andy. Neymar and Mbappe in the first kind of home game couldn't really get their their stamp on the game, but in the away tie at the uh, Parc de Prince, you could just tell they were toying with us and they were having us for breakfast. Marquinhos stepped into midfield. He's naturally a centre back, and he seemed to boss our midfield. And if our midfield is that stagnant against Napoli at, at Anfield, and if Klopp more to the point, doesn't pick the right midfield, then we're going to have a very, very tough time in the Europa League. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to think about Europa League at this point, but uh, <laughs> yeah, just looking at the group table then, Napoli did did what they needed to do in terms of uh, they dispatched Red Star at home, as everybody would have expected them to. Um, obviously, as important as it was that Alisson made the saves that he did and we got the goal back, also important in in the grand scheme of things is the fact that Red Star got a goal, which does of course mean that although Napoli topped the group on nine points, that goal difference it is achievable for us to go through. Uh, PSG just a point behind them on the face on paper. You would expect PSG to beat Red Star away, but Red Star got a draw at home to Napoli. They beat us there. It's not um, it's not necessarily done and dusted, especially I think. When in the psychological terms of how PSG celebrated the win over us as though that's it, that was job done. And when you think of the game that we played against PSG, how unsettled they were when we got about them and how disheveled they look and how they didn't like being unsettled that way, you know, a, a united team against them. And, and and add to that the kind of performance we put in at Red Star, a team that aren't we, you know we're we're normally more up for that kind of a challenge that you get at Red Star. Yet that atmosphere seemed to get to us. So, guy, is there 
I know we might be clutching at straws here, but there is there that little glimpse of, of that chink of light in in the distance that maybe it's not all you know done and dusted in terms of uh, Red Star just folding against uh, PSG at home. Well, you have to think like that, don't you? Because I mean, as you said, they've got a result against Napoli and. and pretty much deservedly beat us and all. I said they stole it, but I mean, we, we, we didn't deserve anything more than a draw if we're being generous. But um, yeah, it, 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 it's, never, it's never that simple. I mean, Red Star can still qualify for the Europa League, can't they? So that would be a huge achievement for them, um, considering the group they're in. I mean, Alex called it the group of death, and it pretty much is. Um, probably ours or Tottenham's. Um, and yeah, if, if, they, if they beat PSG... I mean, it's not... I mean, this is turning into a very sombre and negative pot. But if, say, Napoli beating Liverpool at Anfield isn't that far out of the question. So Red Star will be looking at it going, the Europa League is a, is a realistic target for for them. And I'm, I'm not going to say, I don't know where they are in the Serbian League or whatever, but I imagine they'll be up near the top. Um, so I imagine that continuing the European campaign would be huge. And as you said, that... That stadium and that atmosphere—it's—it's it's probably it's built on European nights, isn't it? I mean, imagine. I'm not sure if it, if it was the same when Napoli went there, but welcoming a team like Liverpool, so much history, PSG, one of the richest and biggest um, teams in the world. I mean, even if you continue that in the Europa League, you're going to have huge historical clubs in there. That like even from England, there's going to be Chelsea, uh, Chelsea and Arsenal, and then possibly Tottenham. Um, going in there, uh, get that free dig in there. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, it, it. There's a lot of incentive for them. So yeah, it, it's definitely a possibility. And as you said, PSG. Uh, I know they had a, a comeback, but I think that was down to our own sloppiness rather than them being them being good. Obviously, they have talented players, and they're obviously a part of it. But they did seem to crumble under Anfield, and. Let's be honest, a Serbian hostile crowd is not the same as a British hostile crowd, is it? <laughs> it's just a bit more threatening, shall we say. <laughs> just a smidge. Just a smidge. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know you might think we are clutching at straws here, Alex, but I, I think I do think it's it's a valid point to, to look at is that, you know, just because PSG are on eight points, yeah, the two points clear of us, we have to win. But it doesn't mean that that's it. PSG are through. I, I think it is a a valid thing to look at and, and actually raise a question. You know, on paper, PSG should demolish Red Star. But then again, on paper, we should have gone there and won. Napoli should have won. It's not a foregone conclusion, is it? It's not. And I think it's a, it's a habitual trait of this Paris Saint-Germain in war, Jonathan Wilson wrote a really good piece about the fact after the three-two loss at Anfield, the fact that they don't have an identity, they don't have a purpose for being. They just seem to be a, a kind of vanity project to see what happens when you throw all this money at a club based in the best, well, the, the in quotes best, but the most cultural, fascinating city in the world. And yeah, see what happens. See if you can win everything back it by a state government that's law that's just completely surrounded in in need for soft power in the West and, and you, all of a sudden you get this, yeah, like I said, and like Johnny, Jonathan Wilson says, vanity project. And if they go out in this Champions League, that is going to be the ultimate disaster. I would say, though, I wouldn't be clutching it. Oh, I, I, it is kind of clutching at straws, but I would also say that don't discount 
the idea that PSG really need to top this group. Because if they face Barcelona or Juventus who've topped their group or someone someone like I think they'd probably match up all right against Madrid this season, but those one of those big teams, even someone just another City had probably amazing fixture. Yeah, another amazing fixture would be Manchester City, that kind of oil oil derby. Um, battle of the the states, <laughs> the Arab states, and the battle and, of the accountants. Uh, yeah, the the, the fancy <laughs> accounting. But I don't don't doubt the fact that PSG do need to top this group because they can't afford to face a big team in the round of sixteen when European wise they are still flimsy. They did get a draw at Napoli, but they lost to us, and we don't know what they're going to do against Red Star. But I think we should be more focused on our own fortunes because. Mm. Really, this is our fault. Well, it's not our fault. It's Klopp's fault because he has not managed this Champions League campaign all that well. The Red Star game was largely a complacency thing and PSG was entirely his midfield choice that got completely overrun by pretty much singularly Marco Verratti. And uh, he re- even though Verratti nearly got sent off, I don't think it would have mattered because we we've just massacred out there. Mm. And I think it is fair to to, um, to to call out Jurgen Klopp on on his management of um, some of these games, particularly away from home. So coming back to to Napoli, then that away game at Napoli, the one nil defeat. Yes, in the circumstances, it was late on. It was a bit of a body blow. We've probably done enough, it seemed at the time, to have ground out um, a fortunate draw because we were by far. The uh, the lesser of the two teams on the pitch that day it was it was a pretty awful performance. But do do you think we can take anything from that game? Do you think they'll have, the club will have um, Klopp and his staff will have taken plenty of learnings from from what uh, transpired on the pitch out there? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lessons are difficult because I think it's going to be a different Napoli side. That Napoli side was very much so, uh, go at them, absorb pressure. Uh, no, sorry, not absorb pressure. Go at them take them on, we know we can make this physical and make this really difficult. The Napoli side that's going to come to Anfield is going to be an Italian side coached by Carlo Ancelotti that needs a point. And that is as dangerous a prospect as any side in world football because Italian sides know how to defend. Catenaccio is a thing. And it's not a thing that's just been forgotten or dissipated in kind of the revitalization of the Serie A over the last four or five years. So Really, we're going to have to be prepared for a completely different Napoli side to the one that we saw at, in Naples and in the south of Italy, in that horrible, horrible stadium. It's really going to be a different test of our resolve. It's not even going to be a similar test to Red Star, who are just packing the box, because Napoli will, and PSG, who are time-wasting, Napoli will really try to frustrate us because they know they only need a point and they only really need to score a goal because then we'll need to score two. Uh, sorry, no, then we'll need to score more than two. Um, in terms of the performance itself, you're right, Andy, we were pretty bad. Uh, we were miserly in attack and the team didn't have any of the fluidity, but I would also argue that our league form in and around that Champions League ca- campaign wasn't as in it wasn't as an intense a time period, and I think the intense time period might actually work. If you're thinking about the Burnley three one, we went down, we brought ourselves back up, and we knew that 
yeah, this is this is one of the gonna be one of those moments during the season where if we don't win this, City are gonna just waltz off with it. So there is some empowerment in being able to say, right, we're on a roll here, we're still unbeaten in the league. This is our moment in the Champions League. Everyone full steam ahead. This is the this is the game, this is the game, this is the game. Um so we can rise to an occasion. I just think that this Ancelotti Napoli that's gonna come and try and stop us may well be too strong and and guy just mentioning there what alex has said about the the atmosphere you know the big game at anfield and you think that game at napoli the the shape of that midfield it was that flat three midfield that has not really played well at all this season has, has really offered very very little in terms of um creativity and linking midfield to attack um, Klopp came out after after the PSG game and got quite salty with journalists uh, questioning uh, that midfield and said he saw no problems with it. But then I mean, immediately changed uh, changed it and changed that shape back to the four two three one against Everton. And you think how that midfield performed against Everton? Do you do you feel like looking at them two games? Obviously, the derby is a big game. It's frenetic. There's a lot riding on it. The atmosphere and everything like that. That game at home to Everton with that midfield shape. Comp- Contrasting that to the away game at, at Napoli and and how the, the the shape of the midfield and how things look there, do you think that there's hope that that uh, we will see much more in terms of what we saw against Everton in terms of the shape than than what we saw against Napoli? Uh, no, I think we'll go to the four three three. I think it's I think it still is go to in these big matches. I think. I'm not sure Klopp sees the derby as that big, to be honest. I know he like he's obviously very passionate, but I don't think he's he think I think he's just kind of neutral in how he rates Everton because, well, let's be honest, his experiences of it since he's came to England hasn't been great. I mean, he's had two Sam Allardyce matches. Uh, he may have had a Dave Woodworth one and and, and Koeman. Um So it's Jesus. not. Yeah, it's not. It's, yeah, it's he's not, not had the derby experience, has he? Yeah, exactly. So I mean, that that would have been his first tough one, eh? But I know the last last season's under horrendous, but um, that's for different reasons. But I think he he doesn't see Everton as that much quality. Whereas obviously with Napoli and PSG etc., he I think he'll revert back to type with, with the four three three, and then I think it'll come down to personnel, Andy, rather than. Um, the two versus the three because I know he, I know he started catering the actual Napoli game but he went off pretty much straight away didn't he Andy was having a stinker to be fair um, so I think it I think it comes down to who who will actually play midfield rather than uh, a two versus three and that then the question mark is do, is he going to trust the new lads in Fabinho and and Cater because I mean the way they battered us in Naples. I mean, I think Hamshik was playing the six uh, or something like that, and he, he kind of just ran the game. And I think this is I think this is the type of game where you just want Fabinho to go run and batter people, pretty much, I think. That's the way I'd word it. It's, you'd want, I think you'd want to trust Fabinho in this game. You could probably, Ginny plays every game. That's pretty much it. I mean, last night's probably going to be his last rest of the season. <laughs> and... Um, and then, then it comes down to to me is do you trust a Cater and Fabinho together in a free? Um, and but I imagine he'll, I imagine he'll play Henderson and and Milner. But I I just I just really hope it's not the free that pretty much is not cost. Well, it has cost us. Let's be honest. It's not. It's not a good free mid, mid, free man midfield. And there's, I think there's plenty of evidence for that. So I'm just hoping that it'll it'll have it'll have your mix of Cater and Fabinho in there somewhere. But my expectation is that he'll play the 
the free old guard lad, shall we say? I think I think the actual need for four two three one, given by the fact that we look so much better with it, could mean we actually see a four three three with Cater, Fabinho, and Wijnaldum. I know he'll want to play Milner and Henderson, but they both kind of featured against Burnley. It's difficult to say because he, you're right, guy is so wedded to this four three three in the big game seemingly, but it keeps letting him down. So if Klopp's as adaptable as he should be, and that that may not be very adaptable given his stubbornness, um, this is the time when you need goals and you need to be offensive because this Napoli team is not going to come out and attack. Uh, so you should really be thinking about playing four two three one. I don't think Shakiri will play, but it wouldn't surprise me. If he play, if he wants to play Henderson, that he plays him, he sticks him next to Fabinho, and that's the two screening midfielders, and then drops Genie to the bench. I mean, Genie is kind of the staple of our Champions League, and that's fair enough because he's been colossal this season. I thought he's, I think he's been one of our best players, um, and he may well be the kind of vital cog to that midfield that makes it tick. Unfortunately, the midfield isn't all that fluent of machine these days. So, if he's going to be bold, he needs to pick. Either Naby Keita is the most advanced midfielder in a 4-3-3 or Shakiri in a 4-2-3-1 and work around that, to me anyway. And I don't think you should uh, discount the fact that Naby is itching to turn it on because Champions League was one of the big reasons that he wanted to leave Leipzig. Um, and these big nights are the nights where Naby Keita can come up. Trump's Fabinho too. Fabinho for Monaco used to, to, to really put in big shifts in, in big games in the Champions League against Leon. I know he always used to he used to have a lot of favorite games. Um, so he, these two, if there's ever time for them to shine, it's going to be tonight. No, not tonight. It's going to be this game, rather. And it's going to be kind of in the right system. Whereas I think uh, Henderson and Milner, their right system just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, and I think it's important to look at that previous game, though, is, you know, when we play that 4-3-3, that we like to play in the half spaces, that's, you know, that we like to operate in them areas. And the way that uh, Ancelotti set that Napoli team up was really to, uh, to to stop us being able to enjoy the areas that we'd like to play into. And that worked effectively. And I know on the night, for me, we made lots of bad choices in terms of passing. Our first touch and quality of passing was was just dreadful. And, and it's hard to, you know, whatever tactics you use, it's hard to um, to prepare yourself for that. But in terms of the Napoli shape that uh, Ancelotti implemented, I think it was really sort of to to stop us, you know, using that 4-3-3 system that worked so well last year. So to, and in terms of that, Alex, I, I think it is important that we that we are prepared to to do something a bit different and not just uh, you know well it didn't work the first time let's try it again. Yeah, I think that's that's imperative for us to be able to say, um, look, we need to adapt because this Napoli side isn't going to be the same side that's coming back. So Klopp obviously can't be the same side that lost to to Napoli over in, in Italy, but it's also a Napoli side that's kind of had a really weird metamorphosis from Sari, Maurizio Sari, and, and kind of the the identity that he imposed, and Carlo Ancelotti, who is very uh, malleable, uh, we'll see what we've got, and then we'll work with the best players. The start of the season, he was pulling players out of seemingly thin air, players who hadn't been at Napoli, in featuring for Napoli in Yonks, and especially under Sadi, the likes of Marco Rog was getting features, it was getting in teams, and he's brought 
Fabian Ruiz through, who's been sensational. He's actually been starting for them in midfield. Nikola Maksimovic, who's nominally a centre-back, has been starting at right-back because Fauzi Gulam's just being started to, to just start his kind of road to actually being featuring on the first team subs on the subs bench for big games now against Atalanta the 2-1 win which was a difficult game but they haven't really faced a big team since since probably the Juve draw um again yeah against Atalanta they played that midfield three with Fabian Ruiz Marikamchuk as the six as you said Andy uh, and Alan I think played against yeah Alan played against Atalanta Zielinski's on the bench so Napoli are going to be a different animal. I doubt Zielinski will start. Um, I think Alan Hamshik and Fabiano Ruiz is probably the way it will go, but it wouldn't surprise me if Ancelotti went, right, we just need a draw. Let's make that defensive midfield even sturdier and bring in maybe someone like Amadou Diawara, uh, although he hasn't featured a lot this season. Um, for us, I think it's going to be imperative that we lock down that midfield, especially at Anfield. But most importantly, like you said, Andy, play, if we want to play in those half spaces, Salah and Mane need to be on it. And if it clearly isn't working, like it has been a few times this season, if we're not getting shots off, if we're not being clinical enough, Mane's got, had some trouble this season with getting shots on target, then we need to change it. We need to be not afraid of shifting to a 4-2-3-1 or bringing... Divock Origi or Daniel Sturridge on whichever one call if it calls for more guile and finesse then Sturridge if it calls for more physicality and running through the channels Origi and just I think Klopp needs to do something that he he's working on to be fair which is impact subs earlier change the game because at at this rate you've got one last chance to save the Champions League campaign and given City are probably uncatchable going out of the Champions League group stage would just be a kick in the teeth that we can't sustain right now. Just looking at Serie A, you know, Napoli do sit second, um, but recent results are that you know they're not sort of uh, smashing teams or anything like that. They're just no, eking out those results, cu- aren't they? Yeah, they're a real curious case because Ancelotti doesn't have them playing mesmeric football, but it's effective. And against Milan, they they kind of pulled it back when they, they really didn't really have any right to. Dries Mertens came on. He's since that big game, that was probably the first game where everyone was like, okay, Ancelotti knows what he's doing. Um since that game they that he's made sure to keep Mertens in the side a lot more, rotated a fair fair bit less. The rotations kind of happened in the first half of that that portion. And now the last eight eight or nine games he really hasn't changed much. And I think he's settled on this formula with um, Ruiz, who's been scoring goals, uh, Marikamshik doing the Jorginho role less effectively, but still ad- uh, ad- admirably, I'd say. And that front three of of kind of Mertens, Jose Calleon, and Lorenzo Insigne, who's been their star player. But they've got the benefit of having Arkadiusz Milik come in, who's their big centre forward, big Polish centre forward. He can move as well. He's a good finisher. And Milik has been kind of a nice influence for them to have off the bench after he's, he's been very unlucky with serious injuries the last two seasons. That's the big thing is Ancelotti's been able to have this plan B to grind out results where, I mean, let's be honest, he's not Sadi. Napoli are not playing anywhere near as effectively as Maruti or Sadi had them going at. Um, and for Liverpool to be able to break Ancelotti's team down, they're going to need to get through that midfield. Hamshik shouldn't necessarily be the hardest player to, to come at, but 
Napoli have been conceding goals and they haven't been scoring that many. Okay, in the Champions League, maybe a different Napoli to the league, but Juventus are very comfortable. And if it wasn't for Inter being classic Inter, Napoli wouldn't be second. So I wouldn't take the league form for either team on this one as kind of a huge indicator of where they are because I think it flatters Napoli to be second in Serie A and it certainly Liverpool's Champions League campaign does not reflect how dominant they've been in the league who are also sitting second. And Guy, just just looking at that, Napoli away from home in the Champions League, two draws, so you know, you know the by no means are they easy to beat but they're solid uh, and being an Ancelotti team, we know that they'll be they will be tough to break down. Uh, as Alex mentioned, on the, on the threat of the counter attack, especially looking back at that first game, is it Dries Mertens that really worries you from their side? Yeah, I mean, well, he he was on the uh, subs bench, wasn't he? Wasn't he in the home game or oh, their home yeah. game? Came uh, on and made a hell of a difference. Though, yeah, didn't yeah, that's what I was going to say. The fact that he came on and. Well, they were, it went from them controlling the game and not threatening too much, and then he came on, and it was literally like hell. It was hellish for that last uh, portion of the game. It was, it was, it was like night and day that game. It just, it just ramped up everything. Um, and him, he's the sort of player that who could, you could, who could uh, trouble us on the break. I know we have one of the fastest backlines in the world. <laughs> um, but uh, oh well, we did with Gomez. Sad. Yeah, Sad I was about time. to say we, we yeah, may not. Did we go Gomez out? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, he he's the one. He's the player that you'd look at. I think him in senior, and I imagine Callahan. Uh, it took me ages to remember his bloody name. <laughs> uh, I was thinking throughout the whole pod there what his name was. But yeah, Callahan. Uh, that that's a fact. That's quite a quick front three built for counter attack, and I imagine, and with us needing to get. A good, a decent cushion because I mean, if we if we win one nil, that's going to be a hell of a nervy game. Um, but yeah, we we're, we're going to need to go out attacking, and um, yeah, that they'll have they'll have all the space, they'll have um, a lot of counter attacking opportunities, and and that that front three is pretty much perfectly built for that. Um, especially I imagine our fullbacks will be pushed up and stuff like that, so it, it it'll be a worry their front line. But uh, yeah, I imagine they'll play that front three I mentioned rather than Milik who uh, Alex mentioned. Yeah, that Medical. that's a, that does that does make sense. The the thing that concerns me about counter attacks and as you mentioned, Joe Gomez being out injured, we don't have that recovery pace quite so much at centre back. Is if Lovren plays and he gets sucked out of position quite as easily as he did in Paris, that would be the concern for me uh, in terms of a counter attack because yeah, we've got lots of pace in the in the wide in the uh, the fullback positions, but in this type of match, I'd be expecting to see them guys push right up the pitch as we're trying to break them down. Yeah, you you got to think that Lovren has at least proven that we can give him the chance in, in the Champions League campaign last season. Uh, but we just hope it's not calamity Lovren that shows up and we hope we get nice, calm, cool, collected, clutch Lovren. Uh, but the other thing I was going to say is the benefit we have is that they probably still won't play Fauzi Goulam because he's still injured. Uh, and Elit Hisaish is probably not ready either. So they're playing two fullbacks who shouldn't be. They're basically out of position. Mario Rui's been all right this season, but he's not. He was good against us, but he's not. Uh, on the right side. He's a right-sided fullback and he's playing on the left is what I'm trying to say. Uh, and he's been playing left-back all year because Fauzi Gulam has been seriously injured. Uh, and then, like I said, Nikola Maximovic is playing right fullback. He's nominatively a centre-back. 
Now that makes me go, right, we can get it in behind them, but what if they just sit back and don't leave any space to get into? So they're effectively playing with three centre-backs and a full-back who is going to be tasked with just stopping Salah from cutting in. Uh, so def- I think defensively on our side, it's going to be a, a lot, I don't want to say easier, but a lot more reasonable. It's just going to be stopped them getting the ball to Mertens and stop them running at our defense from our attacking side of things. We're going to need to make sure that we are creating chances and carving them open because they've got the two units there in Koulibaly and, and Albiol who won't need to do much running because they're going to be so close to Davidos being in goal. Mm, and just bring it around to Liverpool guy on the res review. We, I did sort of hack back in the trivia to, uh, to 2004 Wonder if we could tap into that kind of spirit of things. It was uh, it was Olympiacos that night. Liverpool needed to win by two clear goals. Uh, that one came off. Do you, what what uh, importance do you think the fact that it is at Anfield plays into this? Uh, you know that whole atmosphere. It's it's a European night. It's you know it's win or bust, and and not just win. You know we're, we've got to approach the game looking to get a two goal win. Do you, do you think the fact that it is is Anfield and it's that atmosphere and everything that's riding on it just kind of plays into our hands that these are the these are the nights that we just seem to be built for it's in our DNA. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Anfield's just a, it's a completely different beast in um, well in big games. I mean, you, we get the famed European nights, but even even in the Premier League ones, whilst when we're com- actually competing for stuff, it, it's just a different animal when when the occasion's there. And this this is one of the most. Um, important occasions at Anfield in terms of the group stages since that that year. Um, it's um, yeah, I, we're just we're different. Even even in even in the uh, not meaningless games, but the less occasion games, uh, the smaller occasion games. It, it just, we're just so much better at home, aren't we? I mean, our defensive record at, at Anfield is just stupidly good. Add that with the intense atmosphere. And hopefully, hopefully Napoli will crumble a bit, but I doubt it because they well they they play in one a mad atmosphere themselves. So, um, it, it Anfield's just one of them things. It's just it's indescribable. It, 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 I imagine only a player could describe what it actually means to the players and stuff like that. But I imagine it must give you a huge boost. And if you're an opposing fan, it must it must just add a bit of a bit of doubt, if not fear, in some players. So yeah, it, it's just huge. It's just huge. And and let let's not forget our European record at home and home compared to away is so much better. It's the only reason we're still in the bloody thing. Yeah, two wins at home. Um that again I like that that you know the atmosphere before the PSG game you go you know you go back to the City game at home in the Champions League last season, you know that it not just Anfield needs that. I think. Do you, do you feel like the team kind of tap into to the uh, to the crowd when when the atmosphere is is just so electric like that? Yeah, it, it has to. It always. It's just one of those mythos things that. Yeah, people can say the Anfield crowds dead and the Anfield crowds not what it used to be and overhyped and whatever, but when they need it, when we need to be called upon, it's the most powerful thing in in one of the most powerful things in professional football and one of the most kind of emphatically right, let's go do this lads, can you hear that right now? Because Anfield, and the only game I've ever, I've ever been to at Anfield, obviously living in Australia, is uh, 
the game against Basel in 2014-15 at Anfield when we needed to win in similar circumstances. Uh, and we didn't. And that was still one of the best nights of my life, if not the best night of my life, because I got to see Steven Gerrard score a free kick. And just for a bit, I was a part of a crowd that would not accept anything other than victory. Uh, and then Lazar Markovic got sent off and for, for, for waving his hand around a bit. And Martin Skirtle went up front. But that is another lesson in itself, which is the progression we've made since those days. Uh, and... To be in this position now, there is part of you that just thinks, yeah, look at us, look at how far we've come. We're going to do it. Um, and of course, there's another part of you that thinks we've put ourselves in too precarious a situation, just like we've had with Olympiakos and we've rode our luck other times as well. Obviously, the West Ham Cup final, Istanbul, all this stuff like that. Sometimes it just can't happen the way you want it to and sometimes it's just gonna just gonna fall so it's gonna be yeah really nervous and tense but the anfield crowd is gonna be electric and they are gonna be the 12th man such a cliche but they are gonna will this liverpool side on if napoli like napoli are used to the mental crazy napolitani freaking just noisy mafia run don't give a crap about opposition fans just it's just a really strange club but it is a beautiful club in a way. Uh, they are going to come to Anfield, and I don't think they'll be ready for just how vociferous and just how noisy and just how loud this this atmosphere is going to be because Anfield, uh, the, yeah, the classic line, Anfield will be up for it. Well, not many people really know just how up for it this Liverpool crowd can get until they see it staring down the barrel uh, and they hopefully see a completely energised Liverpool ready to do what needs to be done to win. Yeah, I, I do think um, Liverpool needing to win, it, it just brings a different atmosphere to if Liverpool only needed to draw this game. It just it adds something to it. I mean, so we've talked about the whole context of the group, the previous games, the standings, the permutations. We've looked at the opposition. We've spoken about the atmosphere, but and we've even talked about, you know, the Klopp's approach. But who then, who is it in, in Liverpool's ranks that we really need to perform. If we're going to do this, if we're going to pull this off, who the Liverpool players are going to be absolutely key and fundamental to us, to us to get in the result that we need. It's on one hand, you want to say Virgil because we need to not concede. On the other hand, it'd be really good if Mo Salah and Sadio Mane go on an absolute rampage and score five. It's just it's it's one of those games where you could pick out any single one of these players on this team and say you need to score. Or like or like if you perform, we'll win. If you perform, we'll be fine. Even Robbo, if Robbo puts in a masterclass on the left, stops kind of whichever one of Lorenzo Insigne or Jose Calleon is playing on his side, then then you're like, yeah, we will win. It's just so difficult to say. Really, I want everyone to have an absolute stellar game. I want us to win 4-0, dispatch of them, and then move on and, and be favourites again. But I would say that if Naby Keita can bring the energy and dynamism that he brought to the game against Burnley, where he was man of the match for me, and just be that stellar little pocket rocket, 
and dribble past players, get shots off inside the box. That's vitally important. Getting those shots off is is key. I think Cater could really transcend from, oh, that's right, he was good at Leipzig too. Yeah, we've got an absolute star teller on our hands. So I'll say Naby Cater, but it could well be anyone on that Liverpool side. Uh, and Guy, what, what about yourself then? Who do you think is going to be key for Liverpool here? Because... I mean, the, the obvious one, I mean, we often speak about the midfield and the shape and making sure that they don't leave the, the forward line as isolated as we, as we often have this season. Do you think not just the midfield, but then, you know, if we do link up the forward plays, they've got to be a bit more clinical than what we've seen at, at times this season? Yeah, for, for me, Andy, do, the front line's the most important one and there's a limit to what um, Firmino and Mane can do. So I'm going to have to say Salah is the key man because the more goals we score, the better in this game. And hopefully we don't sacrifice defensive stability for that. But um, Salah's the one player in our team for me who who can just go on a rampage and a half and win us a game single-handedly. Uh, for me, no, he people call him the system and stuff like that. He's rarely going to destroy a team. Uh, Mane can do it, but he's a bit inconsistent. Whereas Salah, as we've seen, especially at home, um, he he can he can still he he's still scoring goals and we're just waiting for that destructive performance we saw quite a lot in the middle to end of last season. He's he's, he's the one capable who can just just take this Napoli team apart because I don't think it matters how good they are defensively. There's not many teams who have stopped Mo Salah in the past, and um, I know they've got Koulibaly and stuff like that. But even even. Even in the little bits I've seen of Napoli, um, they do have a weakness there. And um, yeah, I think Mo Salah is going to be the key man because he's the one who can just turn it on instantly and win us a game. Yeah, re, re uh, sort of tap into reignite and re tap into that uh, that game he had against Roma at Townfield last season. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That that Roma game, it it was just stupidly impressive. He he, he kind of. He was obviously having a magnificent season there, but that was one of the most special performances that I've seen. And it, I don't think it gets the, the credit it deserves, really, because, I mean, Roma, it, it, it's one of the teams you'd want to face in a, in a European semi-final. But, I mean, they're still a good team. They're still a mint team. And he just took the mick out of them. And um, uh, I, I, I'm not sure. Napoli are probably better than that Roma team. But, especially this season, I've just got Serie A table in front of me. Um but Salah's that good; he could do it to anyone and everyone, I reckon. Um, so yeah, if he could, if he could bring back that Roma uh, performance, that'd just be lovely. Yeah, it certainly would. So uh, Liverpool have got to be balls out; they've got to go for it. And uh, I've got to ask you guys to be balls out and brave and and put your put yourselves on the line here. Then, guy, what do you think it's going to end up? What's your match prediction? Well, on Red's review, I as I said earlier in the pod. I've simmered down a smidge since then, and I think I said on that one we'd win 2-1 but go out. But I think I'll change that. So, uh, well, we don't count that as a pred- for our predictions, do we, any- anyway, Andy? So I'll change it for this one. I'll say we'll win 3-1 and go through. Ooh. Nervy. <laughs> and Alex, what about yourself then? What are you expecting the, 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 uh, the game to finish? I can't get past the dark cloud that is this this, this defensive just annoying game that's going to come at us. And I don't think we're well suited to it. I think we'll probably draw, which is going to be crushing. Uh, and maybe that's just me being pessimistic to kind of compensate for the inevitable disappointment or, or stop myself from getting too hyped up. But I think we'll probably draw 1-1. Uh, 
um, and go out. Uh, but it's okay because I hear Armenia is lovely this time of year. So, you know, Europa League will be lovely. Sorry, only Lalana's going to see it anyway. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think uh, Lalana will be looking forward to that game against uh, FC uh, Ayanapa. <laughs> yeah. Especially nice with a haircut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love him there. He, he can do a bit of DJing on the night time and whatnot. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, uh, I, I just I, hope we win put it that way yes. I hope we win but I don't think we will and dare I ask this but you know we, we talk about the, the Premier League campaign and, and how good uh, Man City are and you know this has been after 15 games it's Liverpool's best ever start to a top flight season yet still two points and a number of goals behind uh, Man City and that's just just how good this <laughs> this Manchester City team is there's no two ways about it is there and I've and I've I just to play devil's advocate, I've got to ask this question. Is there an argument then that actually going out at the Champions League at this stage might not be too bad for us if we just basically throw the Europa League because that would allow us to concentrate on our push for the title in the second half of the season? Is there an argument to be made there? A valid one? Yeah, I think so. I think it definitely is because if you ask City what they want, maybe not City fans. You've asked Manchester City what they want. It's Champions League. It's not to win the title with 100 points again. They've already proven that. That being said, they are such a phenomenal footballing team that we're going to have to get to 100 points to even have a chance of beating them. And I'm not sure we can do that. To uh, me, if if we survive in the Champions League, to me, we're not, you know, there's no real hope of us winning the league because I don't, have, I don't think we're at City's level. We don't have the resources to be at that level. But if we go out of the Champions League, and City reached the semi-final. And all of a sudden, we are in March, and we're still only three, say three, four points behind them. And they have got Barcelona, or Real Madrid, or Juventus. And this Champions League is stacked with brilliant teams, because while Madrid are altogether a bit crap, they just can't deny, deny the fact that they're Madrid. Juve have bought a team purely to to bring them a Champions League. That's all they... Well, not all they want, but that is what they want. They want that glory. Barcelona still have the best player in the world. doesn't matter who voted on that Ballon d'Or. He is the best player in the world. And they are going to be as kind of imposing and as difficult to beat as anyone, especially with Pep Guardiola. I think Barcelona would love to beat them. So City do have to think about, well, what do we prioritize? Whereas this would be the choice being made for us. I don't think it make, necessarily makes things more... I don't think it makes it, it makes City easier to kind of chase down, but it does give us the possibility that, well, devil's advocate, we're out of the Champions League, Europa League gets binned off because we don't need it. In March, City will be playing more games than us, and all of a sudden the Premier League doesn't become the priority. I think there's an argument to be made there, but at the same time, I'd still prefer, like anyone, to be in the Champions League semi-finals alongside City than watching them storm their way to the Champions League final while likely still being at top of the Premier League. Yeah, I, I want to be. I want to be winning the treble and and beating the whole lot of them and everything. But um, being more realistic and finally, guy, then it, it might not be a, a very uh, palatable uh, disguise, but. Uh, could elimination actually turn out to be a bit of a blessing, as uh, as Alex has spoke about there? Um, yeah, I can only echo what Alex has said there. Really, um, it's just it, yeah, it's just a 
it's just a, it's such a bad situation because I think it would affect us more if we went out, obviously, uh, because we have a limited squad, so like we'd be less affected in March. But I kind of agree with what Alex said there at the end. I don't think it would matter too much to Man City. I mean, maybe if they got to the semi-final, they'd take a bit of focus off. But they'd still have such a deep squad, it's just stupid. It's just stupidly good, that squad. So I don't think it'd make too much a difference, but it'd, it'd help a little bit, I suppose. Yeah, we're just, we're just trying to find any ways to... Uh look at things from different perspectives but uh anyway there you go guys it's going to be an absolutely huge game let's hope liverpool do it let's hope they go on uh and win both the big trophies let's just win them both and be done with it that'll that'll be glorious won't it um, oh that'd be lovely it would be amazing just actually on a quick question what would you to prefer the premier league or winning the champions league premier league yeah yeah i think we need to get that monkey off our back yeah i'm the same I think it would be yeah. more satisfying to win the Premier League. Yeah, I, I do think as a club, I think we just need to get that monkey off our back and then we can move on. Uh, I do think it psychologically weighs us down a bit. So mm, definitely, Let, we'll just win, win them both and be have done with it. Just do it. Yeah, but there we go. But anyway, folks, look, that that's all we've got time for on this show. It's it's going to be an absolutely enormous, enormous game. Um, arguably Liverpool's biggest. You could say, well, not biggest Champions League game, but it's Liverpool's biggest group stage match since that Olympiacos game. It's that all over again, uh, and a repeat result would be enough. So let's see if uh, someone from this Liverpool side can uh, write themselves into Liverpool folklore and be another one of those water hits on moments. It, it would be fantastic. So my thanks to Alex, my thanks to Guy, our thanks to each and every one of you for listening. Uh, hopefully this will not be the last uh, Champions League preview podcast of the season, but if it has, it's been a, an honour and a joy, so thanks for joining us all the way through it. I've been Andy Wales, this has been the Champions League podcast for the Anfield Index, and come on you Reds, bye-bye now. Network.